Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest today is one of my oldest friends, Nectar Economakis. Now, I know Nectar as the chubby little kid who couldn't get on the parallel bars in gym class. But for everyone else that knows Nectar, he is the top executive that runs his very own successful business, through which he has helped some of the biggest companies achieve success through his management, marketing, and growth strategies. He's honestly one of the smartest guys I know and has an unbelievable track record in his industry. We talk about his exceptional professional journey and also some of the biggest technological trends that are already or will be impacting our lives in the future. Oh, one more thing. Over the years, Nectar has gotten extremely fit and now calls me the chubby one. So there you have it. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. I think we should be completely honest with everyone and say that this is take two, because the first time we had some technical issues, you left my studio, and uh, I don't know. It, I think the recording was just so good. We're like, um, yeah, we, we we need to do it again. This was, it was it was just too good to to, to be shared. <laughs> but we need a take two, and then we'll edit the first uh, the first time and the second time. It was it was way too good. I appreciate it though. Um, so yeah, so it's a little bit strange because we went over everything we want to talk about the first time around. So we're just gonna go over it again, I guess, or talk about different stuff. I don't know. Mix it up for the second one. Yeah, we'll we'll mix it up. We'll uh, we'll get original. But uh, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, and I know that uh, it's a lot of trouble. You're a very busy man, and uh, I appreciate that you take the time again to to come on, um, and uh, and do this podcast. Which uh, for me, of course, like you know, it's something it's something new. So uh, I'm not sure exactly I know 100% what I'm doing, but uh, the interest is always there just to get interesting people um, that have a career or a life that is worth sharing and uh, uh, worth uh, bringing value to uh, to the listeners. Well, for sure, man. And I like the idea of a podcast. I mean, we, we got into this a little bit during the first episode where like this, this nature of just uh, democratically sharing, right, what the web allows you to do. Uh, and also given your background and the, the number of people that you know, like obviously well entitled to the backstage, right? You've been in the backstage of mm-hmm. a lot of these like, you know, important meetings, important uh, events, particularly in the, in the Quebec landscape. Yeah. So why not go, on, go in the backstage and share some of these things? Well, uh, it's interesting because, uh, you know, over the course of, you know, the last 11 years that I've been in politics, people were coming up to me all the time. They're like, okay, so how does this work? Oh, my God. Uh, how does that decision? Oh, my God. It's, it's interesting. What's going on? And, you know, of course, I mean, for us, it's just another day at the office, right? Just like for you. I'm going to start asking questions about high-tech companies. And and for you, it's just, you know, uh, it's it's a game that you play. Uh, and for me, I have no clue. So it's a, kind of the same thing in in, in, in politics. But, uh, you know, we, we, we met with so many different people. And I thought, how interesting would it be for people to uh, to get a little glance of what we, you know, what goes on behind the cameras, right? Yeah. Uh, behind the... Uh, you know the question period, or you know the, the the stuff that everybody sees. And look, it's a beginning. Um, obviously, we have uh, some incredible people uh, lined up, and I'm excited. So, um, so here we are. Um, we go back a long time, though. I mean, it's safe to. You know, I mean, let's full disclosure here uh, yeah. for to the people listening. I mean, we, we go back a very long time. Yeah, we could easily blackmail each other and destroy each other's careers if we wanted to. 
personally, I'm just waiting for you to be on the cover of, you know, Forbes New Billionaire, and then I'll start <laughs> calling my lawyer uh, that 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 time with the medicine ball <laughs> that you launched. How on can my I back. sue this guy? <laughs> You know, back in high school, a high school that was fun, uh, and we spoke about it a little bit on the first show. And this is what sucks because we got to go over uh, the stuff that we we spoke about. But it's okay. Um, high school. I mean, we got to know each other back in high school. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience. Um, yeah. Well, we're we're talking about it again, um, and high school is one of these like uh, love hate relationships that I have. Uh, I love the fact that I, had, I developed a lot of and cultivated a lot of friendships that I have to this day, notably the person sitting right in front of me. Uh, so there's there's definitely a love component to it. Uh, the hate component is the uneasiness, kind of the teenage angst that, that I experienced. And like you're kind of like uncertain of yourself. Uh, so a lot in your head uh, in high school. Uh, but it's also kind of like going back to the love side. Well, you have these incredible moments and so much fun with with with, with people that you're around. So it's kind of like this like uh, extremes, yeah. right? It's tough to it's kind of tough to describe. It's it's the it's the beginning uh, of that stage where you start getting your independence a little bit, mm -hmm. right? So I mean, uh, there's no bus that picks you up in the morning to take you to school and to bring you back. So you have to leave the house. You have to actually go to the metro. Uh, you're kind of on your own, right? Um, you're free to leave. Well, maybe not in sec one or two, but later on, we were free to go out for, to have lunch. So, uh, I loved high school. I loved high school, but I remember the first, you know, the first days that we went there, I was, I was, I was frankly scared. Uh, you know, we were going into this place and first of all, it was a French school, but like French from France, right? So everything is different. The accents are different. So I couldn't understand anything that was that was being said. Uh, the grading system, it was on 20. It was uh, the European system. So that was different. And I remember the first maybe month or two, I was like lost completely. And um, I remember the first day looking around thinking, I'm not sure this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm lost, right? I mean, we're a bunch of us from elementary school going into the same high school, but they kind of got regrouped all together and I was sort of alone in one class. Then I'm looking around and I see this other person just doing the same. And I'm like, I think, I think we're going to be friends with that guy. He seems, he seems as lost as I am. Yeah. Being completely lost. Yeah. I could definitely relate to that. I remember I came from a, uh, I think we both came from public high, uh, elementaries. Right. And, uh, in, we both grew up in a relatively rough quote unquote neighborhood of Park X. And then we're in this, like, you know, private high school with like a very uh, pre pre more prestigious high school or prestigious school. Uh, so yeah, first day was very disorienting. It was like, I don't know anyone literally by myself and like sat down. I remember we just happened to sit uh, behind each other and for like one back to back and turn around and it's like, I'm looking for a friend. <laughs> because like the first thing I asked was like, do, do, can, can we hang out basically? Like, uh, like out of those high school movies, yeah. you want to be friends? <laughs> back in, back in secondary one or CZM it was called, I think. In the well, French that's the system. other confusing thing because yeah. it went backwards, right? Yeah. So it wasn't, secondary first or grade uh grade seven it would go backwards yeah, sixième. Sixième, cinquième, quatrième, yeah right? but sixième technically is grade six so they would go back because it's yeah. a high school uh with uh, a cgip integrated in it so uh if you count all the years so it's five years of high school and then two years of cgip so that's seven so it would go down from sixième, cinquième, quatrième, troisième, seconde. so that's high school and then première is one year before you you graduate CGIP and then Terminal was your last year of yeah. CGIP, right? So they went backwards. So 
that was the other thing. We walk in the class, bienvenue en sixième, you know, like welcome to grade to, to, to the sixth grade. And I was like, what? I just came from the sixth yeah. grade. What's going on here? Yeah. Plus, all the students are a year younger than us, right? So we had a legit concern of like, What's it's called sixième, yeah. and everyone's a year because younger. Because they than also us. have an elementary school, so yeah. the kids over there just transition into the high school. And I don't know for some reason they. Past a year, I don't know why everyone was a year younger. I have no idea. They yeah. they they look like children compared to us. Yeah, which ended up being uh, why we became the bullies of the school. <laughs> so like our little crew. Um, I, it's funny. I won't I won't mention the person's name, but one per, like it's funny because I had a good time when you know we all had a good time. We were a, a bit of let's say like you know we were a crew that were <laughs> to say elo eloquently outspoken. <laughs> Um, and one person years later, this is as I'm dating, dating Anna now, and yeah. like she, one of her friends had gone to to Stan. She was a year younger than us, and she's like, "You're dating who? You're with who, which person?" And then like all these like like nastiness came out of like because there was one person I won't I won't mention a person's name, but her name uh, was uh, very similar to a Greek yeah, swear I word. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then that person was not happy with us because we were obviously making fun of her name. But it's funny because I don't even remember even looking or speaking to that girl ever. Mm -hmm. So and, and this is what's funny because a couple of weeks ago we were over at our friend Chris's house. Uh, you weren't there, but I was there, uh, and we're talking with his wife Alex and. Um, you know, this whole bullying thing now is is in and it, it's a serious concern, obviously, for kids. I mean, I have kids now and I'm constantly concerned about how they will be treated, but most importantly, how they will treat others. Right. And we're having this conversation and she's like, well, you guys were complete bullies in high school. And I looked at her, I'm like, but I don't think we were. Uh, I mean, we never beat anybody up. We never pushed anyone around. Um, I, you know, I don't think we verbally abused anyone. It's just that. I don't know. We were tough, loud. I don't know what it was. I mean, yeah. people wanted to hang out with us and, you know, and play around with us and everything. I don't remember one day getting into a fight or I don't think so. No, no. I think that with, with respect to today's uh, view of what bullying is, right? Where you have kids beaten up and shoved in lockers and tortured and, you know, well, day think, to yeah. day to day. Well, bullying has changed a lot. Like also just because back then, even if there was, let's say, the, the physical violence, the threat ended at, you know, the end of the school day. Yeah. Bullying today has become a twenty four seven with all the social kind of, media and stuff. Like, so, like this, you know, the intimidation aspect happens throughout the entire day, which is, I think, much tougher if you're if you're in a, of a certain age today yeah. and you're getting bullied because it's not like hey, you go home and at least you can forget about it till the next day. Now it's like people are it's attacking constant. you online. Constant, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it has a it has a bigger impact. But all that to say, I don't know. I mean, were we bullies? I mean, if anyone listens, I'm sorry. <laughs> if, if you think <laughs> I bullied apology. you, I, I I never thought we were bullies. Uh, I thought we were a very fun uh, kind of gang to hang out with, and we you know we we had a lot of fun in high school. And if there's one place that I would go back to in a second, it'd probably be high school for me. Like not even university, not even CGIP. For me, it was it was just high school. It was that life. Uh, those five years. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. It's that well, whole you're growth. Also, you were an athlete back then. I was an athlete compared to now until you injured me with a medicine ball <laughs> and uh, you know you put an end to my uh, <laughs> to career? what would have been a beautiful future yeah, career. You, you in got sports. me back in that football game though. You <laughs> crushed me in that like that that uh, pickup football game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you got me back. <laughs> well, you we're even. So I shouldn't sue you if you become a billionaire on the cover of Forbes or something. Uh, <clears throat> But I think we were together every single year. Every, we, I, yeah. I think every single I year. I remember that, to be honest, it's been so long. Like, I don't remember the system. Would you even switch or would the classes even get mixed? I don't I even recall. I think, it, I think they would. Uh, I remember uh, 
kids uh, changing class from one year to the next. But for some reason, I think we were together in every single grade. Yeah, I think the group stayed together for, for a large part. Yeah, in most part they were. I think uh, classes like English or stuff like that would yeah. switch up a little bit. I remember that one particular year where we were all together in English. Oh, yeah. Chaos. <laughs> Chaos. It was just not a good idea. Uh, and then, you know, that was it. College for me was, uh, I, I was a ghost in Egypt. Uh, I mean, for me, I made a point not to go to uh, to the same school like any of our friends. Like, I didn't come. You went to, to Vanier. Some other friends went to Dawson. I, just I told, went to Dawson. Uh, sorry, you went to Dawson. And I just told myself, look, if I, if I go anywhere close to these people, I think I'd still be there now. So I went off by myself to yeah. some other school. And I was a... Bois Boulogne, right? I went to Bois Boulogne. And I was a complete ghost. Ghost. I was like in and out. Yeah. I think I made two friends. Which is okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, yeah, I, I felt that uh, CJ for me was like a bit of rebellion, you know, like considering I was very studious in high school, got yeah. good grades and, uh, and and really uh, like dedicated myself. And then at Dawson, uh, yes, there was, uh, you know, there, there was still the, you know, but funny enough, I still got good grades, but the system, to be quite honest, was a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of the the curriculum, like it's stuff it that we had already well covered. Prepared from high school, I think so. Yeah, a lot of the stuff we covered, like especially things like history, was like mm-hmm. basically. And I also took social sciences, right, which is yeah. not exactly a yeah. difficult uh, yeah. thing in, in a public CJEP. So yeah, like CJEP is where you know I started drinking, smoking, <laughs> going out. Like me and Chris would would hang out and go like for beers at in the morning. And, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it was a bit of a rebellion, and then yeah, it was a bit of a wake up call when when I went to university after because it's like okay, now it's you know the serious to, stuff. Yeah, now it's more serious, you know. So, so I can't coast as I coasted in in uh, Dawson. Yeah, but it was still fun. Um, so so university comes around. You study um, commerce, uh, finance, or business, um, and then I remember uh, you telling me at some point, oh, I'm going to do a master's degree in something that was completely. Uh, like a foreign language, it felt like. And that's the first time that I was uh, made aware of, you know, this SEO, this search engine optimization, all this online marketing stuff. And, you know, to be honest, I mean, we didn't grow up with computers or internet or stuff like that. Uh, well, we did a bit in high school, right? We had like a dial-up, like in sec three or four. I didn't, no. I think I got my first computer in uh, in CGIP. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even then, I mean, it wasn't anything special. Yeah, you had to wait like at least a minute for the nipple to show. And... <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but no, see, I, I remember games. You had to go on uh, DOS, was it? And you had to yeah. put like codes or whatever. So, yeah, C slash like whatever yeah. games enter. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't big in my house, at least, you know. And then you, I think more in university with all the papers and all that stuff, that's when yeah. uh, I started using it more often. So you come along and you're like, oh, yeah, so there's this program or there's these things that we can study patterns and uh, uh, different strategies uh, to advertise online. And I'm like, whatever, Nectar, you know, whatever. And today, it's the biggest thing, at least, you know, the way I see it. Everything is online. Everything is transferring um, to mobile. And here you come with uh, all the knowledge. Well, it was, to be honest, it was, it was a bit lucky in the sense of, I was always curious. I studied marketing, by the way, so I was, I was always curious about generally marketing in that field. Uh, and after university, I started like at the, at the bottom ranks of this company. We worked together at, uh, at a call center job yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when we were basically to pay our studies. Yeah. 
And then uh, as soon as I graduated, I was looking for like, okay, I want a quote unquote real job yeah. now, right? So something in my field. So I took a pay cut to go uh, work as a coordinator in this small engineering company. And uh, they're like, all this new like digital stuff. They're like, hey, why don't you, you know, you're young, you know how to use a computer. <laughs> what sure. You, yeah. <laughs> why don't you figure it out? So I just started learning by doing uh and then from there moved to another company like an agency that was doing just that because it was the part that i i found to be the most interesting because back in the early 2000s like 2003 4 all the stuff was so brand new uh so it was such a burgeoning field that no one knew what was going on so you you quickly felt a sense of competence it's like okay i feel like i'm good here because no one else knows what's going on mm -hmm. to your point it was it was so new at the time uh, and it was also evolving so rapidly that you also had to kind of like stay involved in it, you yeah. know? So it was a really exciting time where, uh, like you're figuring out as things go, like, you know, companies like Facebook didn't exist yet. Yeah. YouTube didn't exist yet. So there's all these things. So you were in it while it was actually happening and you, you were learning as, as you go kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. But it has evolved so quickly, like in the last, let's say 10 years, uh, it, it has, it, it has change like leaps and bounds from what it used to be i mean what does that mean because you work a lot with companies now and i want to talk you know we're going to talk a little bit later about what you do now um with your uh with your company but it's a huge challenge now for companies that are involved in this space where things consistently change uh there's this exponential um evolution uh so like where do companies stand i mean like 10 years ago versus today i mean how do companies have to deal with uh, these new changes and this new challenge. Well, <coughs> when I started out, it was a th it was a thing on the side, you know. Like people were like, "Oh, okay, the internet thing's kind of happening, and then maybe we should invest a bit and figuring out." But now it's kind of it's become a um, how do you say the word in in English? But incontournable in the sense of like you can't not have a yeah. digital quote unquote strategy. You yeah, need, it's you indispensable. Need to, exactly, yeah. indispensable. So you need to understand these things at a deeper level than hey, well, I need to build a website or social media. Now it's having an impact on how you think about strategy for your company, how you think about financing, how you think about marketing, hiring. It's really become the thing uh, across really the entire spectrum of all your operations. And across all companies, really, uh, even if you're like in fossil fuels and energies, like these things are starting to impact even very traditional industries. Uh, so it's it has become interesting to to see it evolve, because it's like we're shifting from an old economy to a new type of economy, uh, one that's not based on uh, material goods, but one that's based on information and knowledge. Yeah, how do you think that's going to impact, for example, the human resources, where the companies are going to obviously start investing much more. Um, in this sort of technology and in uh, this sort of strategy, and they're going to probably transition their focus on uh, an online presence or an online uh, marketing strategy. Um, is that going to take away from uh, companies' other resources? Like, uh, you know, we don't we don't need uh, salespeople anymore, for example, or we don't need uh, business developers or whatever, because you know everything is transitioning online. Well, it really depends because even like tech companies need salespeople. Yeah. So it's not, it's not, it really depends the context of the company itself to say, you know, yeah. salespeople are disappearing. I don't see that happening broadly speaking, but for certain types of companies, yes. Like if you're selling only online, if you're an e-commerce company, right? Where I think the, to, to your human resources question, it's really one about talent. Um, and there is a limited number of people that have a deep understanding of how these, a lot of these technologies work. Uh, and 
the application of it from a business more practical perspective. To and to make things a bit more complex is that the nature of these technologies continues to grow as it did 10 years ago. It's just growing now into different fields, yeah. right? So you you started by saying, oh, this SEO thing and like, you know, online, online marketing. That's just one aspect of many different uh, elements now. So these technologies have moved beyond the, the 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 digital screens right beyond the phones and the computers are now starting to permeate a lot of the real world stuff yeah. that we see so now it's like okay people that understand let's say software and transportation right intersection of these two things right yeah. because like then you know the, the kind of the classic analogy of you know uh, transportation is going to be much more powered by software we're seeing it with self-driving cars it's going to impact already it's already impacting things like ride sharing right where you can you know take your phone and call a car and it shows up magically yeah. at your house you know uh, so it's it's going to start continuing impact. Uh, so it, <laughs> like you said, the human resources see, issue is yeah, not going away. But you see, there there has to be some some industries that are going to take a hit. Like you mentioned, the car sharing business, and we saw that here in Quebec, where Uber comes in and suddenly the taxi industry uh, is up at arms. Uh, I know that very recently you were telling me about working with a, a huge newspaper. Um, here in Quebec, and they're having difficulty as well, but that's a completely different industry, right? Um, it has a, a certain impact on your traditional, or maybe not traditional, but on certain industries. Yeah, and it's that what's different this time, it's like if you look at, let's say, the technology industry, it's always been a doggy dog world, like back to the IBM days and then Microsoft, et cetera, where in technology companies are always very competitive amongst each other just because of the, the nature of those cycles. But now what's happened is that that same sort of level of competition has moved beyond just purely the technology industry. And is now, uh, we saw the first examples or first casualties, if you want to call it like so, uh, the traditional media environment, right? So like TV, newspapers, radio, they're, they're being impacted uh, by it. And then we're also seeing it in, in retail, for instance, right? It's like just shop on Amazon and get delivered to your door, right? So how do companies like that evolve in this ecosystem? It's a tough it's a tough question to answer in a, in a macro statement, right? So it could provide some principles, but it's not every company that needs to adapt. It adapts at different levels, yeah. right? So if you're in retail, well, you need to completely change your, your game book, right? Like your, your game plan. Uh, if you're in traditional media, well, it's like if you haven't already changed, it's probably already too late kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on what cycle you are in, in this whole disruption that's occurring. Uh, but the few guiding principles that I can share for me, and that's, that's what I think and I talk about, are, is this notion of agility, right? So being being able to constantly adapt. So like it's for me, the notion of talking about digital is like talking about electricity. <laughs> it's like a hundred years ago, yeah. you know, when, when company, when electricity came uh, and was, was, was first really po popularized uh, and commercialized, I should say, companies would hire vice presidents of electricity, right? If you go on LinkedIn today, you'll look up, you'll find vice presidents of digital chief digital officers. And it, 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 I say it as a, as a joke, it's like these roles are obviously super important, but they will slowly fade over time. Like the whole digital thing, it'll just be in the background. It's be yeah. like electricity, right? So that the notion of saying, oh, digital is important. It's like, well, yeah, so is electricity. So it's like, it becomes by itself less important. What thus becomes important for me is this notion of moving faster, mm -hmm. right? So the circadian rhythm of companies need to match the progress we're seeing on the technology side. So just like how software evolves and like your phone doesn't improve 5% every year, it improves like 100%, like that kind of progress, companies need to adjust mm -hmm. the same way. Do you think there's going to come a point where it's going to, stabilize or plateau or do you just think that from here on it's just going to skyrocket i mean we're going to be seeing things coming that they're going to be blowing our minds 
like a year after year? It really, generally speaking, is going to accelerate, um, but it really depends on how, what time horizon you're looking at, right? So like the, there's a famous Bill, Bill Gates quote is that people tend to overestimate the impact of technology in the short term and underestimate it in the long term. Right. Okay. So, you know, we've been talking about seven self-driving cars now for like close to 10 years almost. Yeah. Right. So like the first, uh, and they're still not perfect. Right. I mean, it's not, they don't occupy all the space. I, I mean, they're still, there's still a ways to go, but if you look at enough of a time horizon over the next 10 to 15 years, like your kids are probably be legal for them to drive. Yeah. That's my guess. You know, like <laughs> it'll be like, you can't get a license. Cause like, it's like getting a license to ride a horse on St. Catherine. It's just like, it does not make sense. Yeah. Right. So over a long enough time horizon, these things will be definitely, uh, be very impactful, but even in the short term, we're seeing a lot of progress. It just depends on what field you're looking at. It, it, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a certain aspect of all this that is, that is scary a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, Probably because it's unknown uh, and probably because we're living the change. Whereas you mentioned my kids, um, when they're, I don't know, 10 or 13 or 15 years uh, of age, there's going to be so much stuff available to them that, uh, you know, they'll have already, uh, they'll already, they'll be a product of this, this ecosystem, right? And it's kind of like us um, growing with Nintendo, and yeah. our parents are like, what is this thing? You're pressing buttons and a little guy jumps on TV type of thing, yeah. right? So, uh, and it's, I don't know why, but for me, it's a bit scary uh, to think that my daughters are just going to walk in this car that's going to open the door for them. And it's going to, where would you like to go? Yeah. And, you know, well, just drive off. Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, there, I think it's a natural human reaction to be afraid of these things because they're, they're, they're novelty and they're new and like, how can they be used? And, and there is good reason in some instances to be afraid like you look at the impact of social media right yeah. like it's very not well understood right now the impact it's having uh, in terms of just mental health generally right yeah. so a simple example is like you know i know we both use instagram for instance it's like if all day you're looking at like how beautiful people's lives are compared to yours well that that like it's it's the effect of it is going to be similar to what i feel is like smoking in essence right but on mental health yeah. right because it's like your life can always be better because look at all these people oh they're skiing in whistler and like yeah. oh look at what they're doing and like they're so successful they're so happy but these are obviously very curated moments that are shared right mm -hmm. so i think there is reason reasons to be afraid but not for the the popular uh stories of like you know the robot wars and like you know uh, yeah terminator coming uh but broadly speaking i think it's it's times to be super excited and and positive about the outcomes right for for many many different areas right so just health for instance right so mm -hmm. like um so like technology there's a lot of innovation uh, happening right now on the health side and that's going to have a huge impact on like lo uh, longevity and mm -hmm. understanding lifespan things like understanding nutrition uh for instance agriculture is uh, is undergoing a, hu uh, a huge uh, revolution as well so you might have heard about uh, artificial technologies that mm -hmm. uh, and enable let's say facial recognition yeah right uh so being able to scan people's faces but these same sort of like scary technologies are going to be applied to crops right so the yield on crops will be vast vastly improved right because you're going to be able to identify oh this this uh, crop needs more pesticide this crop needs more wow. fertilizer mm -hmm. and doing this at scale with these technologies right because the, the 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 vision behind it the computer will be able to understand and 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 learn over time uh so that's going to dramatically improve the output of things like agriculture for instance right so take that one simple example apply that to so many different areas be it to like milk uh, ve vegetables etc 
you're going to see a lot of positive benefit of these things uh, over the course of the next few decades, which I think is going to dr- greatly impact humanity in a, in a positive manner. Uh, but like like you said, there's you know there's two sides to stories, not just all positive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, uh, I want to get to the um, to the business that you have and what you're doing, but before that, I have to um, to talk about Google, probably because you know it's one of the biggest companies, and um, for you, it's probably not a big deal. But for me, it definitely was when I heard that, you know, Google is coming to Montreal, they're investing, there's going to be a headquarters here. And then suddenly, you know, you find out that one of the first hires in Quebec is your your your, your very good friend. How was that whole experience for you to know that, oh, look, okay, this is the next phase for me. I mean, you know, in my professional career, uh, Google is coming, you know, and I'm part of it. Well, it was obviously hugely uh, rewarding, you know, from a, from a career perspective, it was definitely uh, rocket fuel for my career, but like it was, it was still a job. Like I, I find I got a lot of positive press out of it and I'm not, not uh, besmirching it. I think I'm, I'm still, I'm still happy from that for sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was the first, first hire from a, from a business development, from a sales perspective here in, in Montreal. But, and, but that also helps too, right? I mean, when you're calling, you know, all these top execs or these companies and you want to approach them, you're like, hi, uh, this is Nectar from Google. Uh, let's set up a meeting and uh, talk about strategy for your company. I think the door opens pretty quickly versus someone that calls from you know some other random company. Well, I think it's it's fun because it's like I feel like it's it is definitely a meritocratic society where it's like you have this person that like the most people can't pronounce my name. <laughs> Mine neither, by the way. So they're like, what? They just hear hear the name. Okay, so we'll take a meeting. So for for me, definitely help me get more on the map. Just call me Steve. <laughs> Um, and it was, yeah, it was hugely rewarding. It was like, everything you hear about, you know, the company itself and the press is, is kind of true. It's just like, it's almost like fantasy land in terms of a company, like free food, you yeah. have a gym, you have like all these amazing benefits and the benefit of working with some really, really smart people. So you kind of feel uh, honestly quite stupid in the company. Cause it's like, you have all these like geniuses walking around, particularly on the engineering side where it's like, these, these are the people creating the products yeah. that are used by billions of people across the world. And I'm like sitting next to them and yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, you know, preparing a PowerPoint presentation. And just, Excel sheets. Yeah, but just as an environment that you know that's conducive to like your own growth, and I mean that's at the end of the day what matters most. I think to me, I mean you're there and you're learning from all these people, and you're understanding much more. Uh, and the fact that you know this is obviously uh, a path that you see forming that is going to be uh, definitely positive in, in your future career, right? I mean you see this happening, like you know you, you're living here. Like okay, I'm at Google. I don't know what's going to happen, but you know I'm here, and from here on it's going to be good. You know, I'm well, a- yes and no. Like, um, I don't think I was looking at it from that lens, to be honest, because it's a quite competitive environment. You have to perform, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's you still, you know, you still have to your objectives to match. It's not like you hit the jackpot, you know. Uh, definitely, it's it's positive for my career. And I still benefit from it, and I still learn a lot. And um, but I don't think it's a it's a, a touch point where you say, oh, okay, it's done. You know, like I yeah. made it, and like no, nowhere near that. Well, quite evidently, I mean, you left and uh, you started your own thing, but. How much impact did working at Google have on you kind of broadening your horizon and saying, okay, I, I got to go on my own now? I mean, it wasn't, I think, a, um, a single moment in time in terms of decision for me. Like, I think it was been brewing for a long time. Like, you know, maybe even from the early days of my dad, you know, running his own fruit market, for mm-hmm. instance, right? So, like, I had the example at home. Um, 
It started a lot when I decided to invest in, in, in a few startups. So like I did some angel investing when I was there. And for me, it wasn't because I was like independently wealthy. It was more like, here's like a check and please, I hope it crossed my fingers. Yeah, yeah. I still hope it works. You know, obviously not massive amounts, but it was still enough to like, you know, to hurt the pocketbook and mm -hmm. uh, to be to, to be risky from a personal perspective. So I was able to invest in a few startups and like sit on the boards and like be involved in earlier stage of companies versus like Google at the time was like, you know, it was like Huge, 40, yeah. 50,000 people, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm sitting down now helping five person companies and like helping them with their how they think about you know their their strategy and their approach uh and that kind of gave me the bug to like you know what I don't know what the next move would be but I want to do something that resembles this you know it seemed like being on the ground floor and you know you've worked in a big company right so even if a good, a good company like Google which I think is the best big company in the world uh, it's still a big company, right? So, you know, there's changes that happen now far removed from your reality, right? So you don't have your, your two hands on the wheel, mm -hmm. you know? You have you have a great environment, great approach, great learning, but when it comes to like things that really matter in terms of like the company's direction, like you're, you're, you're very- You're nowhere very, near that, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I wanted to have something, my next move <laughs> wanted to be somewhere where it's like, okay, I want to be a bit more in control of my destiny, uh, which led me to like say, okay, I want to resign and start something. Mm -hmm. Uh, so let's talk about that. You, so you start your, your your company. Tell me a little bit about it. This is this is, it's not necessarily uh, and specifically uh, uh, online marketing. This is from A to Z. You guys do strategic consulting uh, for companies on how to build, how to uh, administer, how to run, how to grow the the whole thing. Yeah, it's actually we don't do any online marketing. I feel like my uh, my skill set in that in that uh, domain is like. <laughs> kind of like eroded like yeah. I, I still know enough to be dangerous but i'm it like you said it evolves quickly so i'm not i'm not the expert that i used to be you know years ago uh now the reason i'll start with the you know the the, the what we do um but the, the reason you know what led me to the idea of, of pnr what we do now was at google i was sitting down with like you know presidents and cmos and talking about you know their, their approach to marketing but i was like but it's not just about investment on our platform you have to think about maybe internalizing some comp competencies your internal structure i was trying to help them really from a consultative perspective and i was always kind of looked at with a bit of like um conflict of interest like yeah thanks nectar but you want us to spend more on google which is the case yeah. but i really believe my recommendations made sense for them uh, so that gave me this em embryo of an idea it's like the companies haven't yet fully understood the impact this is having uh not not just on their marketing but really their entire strategy and how they approach <coughs> uh the you know going to market thinking about their, their overall basically hopefully. surviving uh, in the long run surviving growing yeah. uh you know spreading to markets all of the above uh and the idea for that's okay how do, how do we help companies do that so it's like we look at the market oh there's this thing that exists it's called management consulting where you sit down with you know the boards of companies and ceos and you help them map out where they want to go and you help them based on your expertise and we're like we want to do that and that was the the the, the core embryo of the idea and uh, we've evolved a bit since then. It's still very similar to that vision. Uh, but now we've, going back to what we were talking about in terms of moving faster, the way we approach it now is like, we don't only talk about technologies and their importance. Obviously, we, we're all, all, our, all of our team comes from, that, from uh, technology companies. But we approach it as, to, okay, how do we actually help them execute on what they're working on? Because we think the biggest the biggest factor of success in an organization is planning well and then being able to adapt based on the plan that you made, right? So this notion of agility. Uh, mm -hmm. So like, yeah, the whole notion of digital, like I said, it's fading to the background. So like, I've removed the word digital from our website. I'm like, I don't want to see it. Like, yeah. it's if if you don't think it's important, you're like, we're not going to help you. Like, you're you're beyond like the the kind of the, the. But there's companies that still exist that that you know they don't 
Like I, I the digital so, yeah. is out of the question or? Uh, that, or that don't prioritize it enough. Really? For sure, for sure. yeah. And I think that's that's a dangerous spot to be in for and for some companies I think there's good reason because maybe not their industry hasn't been impacted as much you know like uh, like what if you're in like forestry for instance right okay. like if you're in lumber it's like oh, I don't think you know pixels are going to hurt you but. Mm -hmm. You're probably looking at it if you're not looking at it, for instance, from a manufacturing perspective, right? How these technologies, like I mentioned, the agriculture mm -hmm. example, you need to be looking at it from a manufacturing perspective, very much so. So if you haven't, then yeah, yeah, it has impacted you. Maybe not from like a marketing perspective, but from a manufacturing perspective, definitely. So right now, <clears throat> excuse me, are, are you looking mostly um, to uh, new startups or new companies and you want to get them started from ground up? Or are you also working with, uh, you know, the larger companies that want to kind of restructure uh, and they want to kind of redirect uh, their it's scope? Yeah, it changed over time because like the lesson, it's our fifth year now that we're starting. Our, our first year, we're like, oh, you know what, we're going to, you know, uh, take it for the world and we're going to go knock on like Air Canada and like back on Montreal and like all these companies yeah. that we know that they need help because we just look at their websites, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> they definitely don't prioritize it. Um, and also, a lot of these companies you've probably worked with them in in the past, or well, that's it. We had yeah. a little bit of context, but then we realized, okay, we're three guys in a basement, and like we don't have a brand, and like we haven't done this before, so we're not a, we don't have the track record of doing it. So yeah. our first customers were more early stage, more tech companies. Mm -hmm. uh, but today we've evolved to work a lot more with much larger uh, companies that are more in the veins of like some of the brands that I mentioned before that are looking for help at that transformative level. Uh, at uh, really helping them navigate the waters of, uh, of this technological disruption. Mm -hmm. uh, and so our customer set today tends to be, I want to say more mid-market firms. Mm -hmm. uh, so usually with several hundred thousand employees. Is that the, the comfort zone for you or do you still... Uh, take on the smaller guys, or do you still maybe look at getting the bigger ones? Right now, like our comfort is definitely bigger companies, just because that's it's been our backgrounds, our careers. We mm -hmm. work with larger companies, uh, and it's also where we have the biggest impact. You know, because uh, you need to have uh, several layers of management uh, for to hire a management consulting practice that makes sense for you. You know, because we come in again top level, and our recommendations can have a, a, a even if it's like a three percent change of what you're doing can have mm -hmm. a massive impact. Yeah. So, and earlier stage companies are less accustomed; they're also less mature to working with, with consulting firms. So, we do from time to time, but more opportunistic, to, to be quite honest. Has there been any time where you walk in and uh, you have certain ideas, but then you realize that you know it's it's just not going to happen? I mean, you're either late in the game or uh, you know, you can't really help the company uh, evolve um, in the equal, in, in this ecosystem. Yeah, we're lucky that we get to to choose our customers. Our customers choose us, but a lot like a lot of what we do is based on trust, right? We're not selling. Or, you know, bus tickets online. We're yeah. not optimizing a you know a checkout cart. You know, like you know, like in an e-commerce website, we're helping people solve really difficult strategic challenges with their companies, right? So to do that, you need to be able to to have. To, to engender a lot of trust very yeah. quickly, right? So a lot of what we do is has to be super confidential and like, cause we're, we're touching all the numbers of the company. We're yeah. touching the the deepest challenges that they have, really looking at them like naked on the sur you know, surgery table, right? Mm -hmm. On the operating table. Uh, so uh, to, to go back to your question, it really is one of deep, deep trust that we need to, to, to work with customers. So if that, if that's not there, then yeah, it's, it's going to be harder to work with, with certain companies. Yeah. But you select them. I mean, there's, ha has there been moments where you look at a profile and you're like, you know, there's, there's no room for us over here. 
Um, it, yeah, it's like, it's one of those uh, errors you make, you know, you learn from experience, you know, sometimes you're a bit too greedy, let's say, and you want that, that contract yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. But deep down you're like, ah, oh, I don't feel it. This customer, there's like a misfit of, uh, values. Mm -hmm. Like we're not, we don't value the same things. Uh, I think we've gotten better at, at sense sussing those out, you know, after enough mistakes, <laughs> you gotta learn that we have to work with companies where we just have a deeper value alignment, uh, because of, again, we're not, we're not selling commodity. We're not, we're not here to, uh, Hey, we're going to sell you a new software software that's going to help you and like mm -hmm. the the relationship aspect of it is actually quite important because we're yeah. we're really uh going into the think of things we're like rolling up our sleeves and, and working with their customers hands-on so how does it work like give me the backstage like you or a client approaches you or you approach a client i mean what's the procedure where, where, where do you start with and of course i'm sure it changes depending on the company and the industry they're involved in but um you know what's the reflex uh, what reflexes do you have in terms of okay let me help you like how does it work what's the what's the procedure yeah well it depends on we offer one or two main service offerings one is uh mergers and acquisitions so it's like either an investor is going to approach us and they're like hey we're looking to invest in a company can you help us like give a give a point of view on mm -hmm. the company's technology yeah. uh on on, uh, on on what they're doing or a customer approaches us like hey we want to acquire or we've been approached to be acquired so helping negotiate and, and front uh, the the, the whole deal that's a smaller part of our business and then the main part of our business is just corporate strategy so it's like solving a a, a tough strategic challenge right so like you mentioned the media customer that we had before we helped them with like a reorganization of the company right based on their their technological platform they hadn't evolved enough the org structure internally to reflect the new reality of they need to be more data driven more, more driven on the digital platform so we help them draw the org chart like here's what it should look like here's the path so you do this first, then step mm -hmm. B, then step C. Uh, so it ends up being tough, very creative, strategic issues that we work on. Um, the One of our main offerings is something called strategic planning, which is uh, sitting down with a customer, uh, figuring out their current state, and then mapping out where they want to go. So like mapping out the, the desired future state of the company. And we do this using uh, an agile process. Agile is kind of a buzzword you heard. Oh, we need to be more agile, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it's actually a very specific method that's used in software. Mm -hmm. So every single software company in the world uses agile as a process to, to code, like to, to run the teams okay. basically. So if you're running a development team, you have software uh, girls and uh, guys and girls, they're usually using agile. So what we've taken is that, that, that method, those principles and apply them them to uh, strategic planning, which is like a once a year usual uh, company retreat. Uh, what's different with our method is that it's one that's iterative, right? So going back to what we believe in, we believe in that you have a plan, you execute it, but then you have to adjust the plan based on the reality on, mm -hmm. the, on the ground. Mm -hmm. So that's what our agile method allows us to do, reiterate so, constantly. So you stay on board with this company for, for a longer time, or you just go in a couple months, here's the strategy, chow bye, or do you stay on board, you follow up with them? Yeah. And, uh, we usually stay on board because that's the <clears throat> the value what we bring is having operational experience, uh, particularly when it comes to tech, where they're at least once a month with our customers, helping wow. them map out their issues and, and help solve. See, for me, for me, this, uh, I find this amazing because when when you're thinking about uh, of these huge companies and these huge corporations, you you know one would imagine that they know what they're doing, right? That they have the the staff and the people inside that know exactly how to direct this company, where we're going, how we're going to do it, what's the strategy. And uh, I mean, maybe it's just me uh, from the outside that doesn't know how things work, but it's amazing to me to think that, uh, I don't want to say they don't know what they're doing, but, you know, they require on this sort of uh, professional uh, services to, well, yeah. to kind of guide them. Consultant is a 
consulting as a field has been around for a while. Oh, right? for sure. So it's like the, the, the need for hiring companies, what big companies can afford is bringing in external points of view. And that's what we are. You yeah. know? External help that comes with our own expertise. And our expertise is this intersection of business and technology, right? So we're not there saying, hey, AI or, or virtual reality. We're there like, what's the business? What are you guys trying to do? What's the context? And then how can, if we look at that through a lens of technology, how can we change stuff? Mm -hmm. Broadly speaking, right? And that's a unique angle that not too many people have, we find in the market, right? Versus saying you need more data science and artificial intelligence, more like what is the context of the business? What are they trying to achieve? And then what kind of tool can we use? Be it a, a technological tool, be it people tool, uh, be it money tool. So that that's that's how we tend to approach problems. Uh, you mentioned uh, AI and, you know, virtual reality. And, you know, these things are part of, I guess, the growth that we're experiencing that we're living through right now. Uh, and it just seems to me that Montreal has become this huge hub uh, in this high-tech space. Uh, why do you think that is? Why uh, is Montreal attracting all these professionals and all these industries? That's a good question, yeah. Like, um, there's a few reasons. So when I started um, earlier in my career, there was no tech scene mm -hmm. in, in Montreal. It was, very, it was still very nascent. Uh, so a few things have happened. Uh, one is the development of technical talent from our uh, four big universities here. Yeah. So engineering talent uh, has attracted a lot of international international companies. So Microsoft, mm -hmm. Google, Facebook uh, have opened up offices here. Uh, also, we've had a lot of homegrown uh, successes when it comes to technology companies, and more and more so. And that has attracted uh, capital. So what's happened is there's been a lot more opportunity to get your, your company funded, right? So let's say me and you, we want to decide to open up a tech company tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we quit our jobs and like, let's do this. It's much easier to get uh, some initial capital to fund our idea. So like, okay, we need to go and build this than it was 10 years ago. Okay. So that, the, the nature of taking much more bets, much more at-bats, has developed a much more vibrant ecosystem. Uh, and within that, you have a lot of sub-layer components, so like more entrepreneurs, more mentors, people that have had success exited companies and are now reinvesting their own their own uh, capital into these companies as well. Uh, so it's built a much more vibrant ecosystem that existed 10 years ago. And uh, yeah, it's it's been great to see. And hats off to, like I know some of the people that have been heavily involved in been doing it, and I have to say hats off because um, I think the economic situation in Montreal would be very different if it wasn't for, for the, the tech ecosystem that we right. have. And then one final point on this: we do have a history also of uh, gaming as well, which yeah. has played a which has played a part of it as well. So a lot of the technical talent was easily easily amenable also to be transferred outside of gaming. Uh, so I think it's a longer history of gaming uh, in the city. So that that's been another uh, another element. It, it also feels like because I follow a lot of you know quote unquote influencers, you know, um, and it's become a scene where and and yourself as well included where you know you, you give talks and you're invited and it seems as though there's this culture where we want to teach and we want to show people how things are done and we want to kind of um, inform them i'm sure it's happening in other cities as well but it just seems that every single week something is happening in montreal where, where you can assist and uh hear someone like you for example talking on whatever topic or uh in any other business related field there's a lot of information out there yeah yeah, and it's, it continues to grow, and I see this as a positive thing. It's like it means that it's healthy. Yeah, <laughs> it means that there's people that are that want to share. There's there's always meetups happening about people sharing best practices, the mistakes, the the successes that that they've had. Uh, so I, I see again. I'm looking at it through my narrow lens of technology. <coughs> um, I see it as a very positive thing. 
you're often called to, um, to, 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 to speaking engagements. What do you normally, like, what do they, what do they want from you? What are you usually, uh, invited to speak about? Well, a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about today. So it's like, uh, I, I don't tend to stray into areas I'm not super familiar with. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the subjects that we're seeing it, I tend to look at it more broadly, like uh, from a broad strokes perspective. So technology's impact on society, technology impact, impact on how you run a company, for instance, uh, so there, those are things rather than focusing in on, let's say, specific shiny objects like, hey, this technology X is new and here's how you adjust to it. I used to do that like in my, when I was growing up in my field, like in, in online marketing. Right. So like specializing in, in, in that. Uh, but I've moved beyond to, to, to more of a I want to say like kind of like a strategic lens and how I look at things. I'm curious to know what kind of people attend these things. Are they um, more professional? Are they more students? Um are the newcomers in the in the industry or just you know who who usually reaches out to you well it depends what talk i'm because i speak at a, at a few different conferences sometimes it's like you know professional associations uh, on the on the personal side i'll, go, I'll also go speak at uh, universities yeah. and uh, also high schools i do uh, oh, you know okay. uh, I, I do part i'm part of a program of um, the Montreal chamber of commerce called visit secondaire and I go and speak once or twice a quarter to like uh, high schools. And I have to say, it's like very different to speaking to adults. Yeah. Talking to ki- kids in secondary, I think it's great practice, but also because I, f- I want to go and contribute and give back to a certain extent. The, the speech there is less about, you know, the, the stuff I talk about. It's more about my career, what I've learned. And I also try and, uh, because these kids, like you said, they, they just grew up with with phones. Yeah. So that they didn't know the pre-internet world. Yeah. So for them, I'm trying to educate them. Like, you know, you know, for instance, how much does it cost for you to use Facebook, right? It's like, uh, well, nothing, right? So if you're not paying for the product, you are the product. So like I try and give them a lens of the opportunities they can take advantage of that they sometimes don't see. It's like, why don't you create your own YouTube channel, right? Mm -hmm. And start blogging and start doing stuff uh, that they maybe take for granted. Uh, But it's also very tough to retain attention if you're in secondary three. Well, yeah. Uh, It's so hard, man. And And it's not like I'm not near that age anymore, you know? So it's like, I can't pretend to be the cool guy. And like, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah, it's very, very different, you know, like get, getting called monsieur all the time. But see, um, it's, it's funny that even now, you know, schools are getting um, involved in this whole change, right? Oh, they like, have to, yeah. Education is being impacted so much right now. So it's like, um, I, there's a legitimate question right now that's that's flung around. It's like, should you send your kids to university? Mm-hmm. Like, are those four years and X thousands of dollars worth the degree you get at the end. And honestly, it's a, it's a very good question, right? Because you can basically learn anything you want online today, yeah. right? Like you can almost become, I don't want to say like, I would say some uh, hard sciences, like being a doctor, I think it's still a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> I want my doctor to have a degree, but if you want to be a software engineer, you, you don't really need to have a degree. You can learn and, yourself. And, and there's huge influencers online that are, that are on that side. Like I listen to Gary Vaynerchuk a lot and he's just against university like, don't, like, yeah. don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on your education well, just well, yeah. like go ahead and do it well it's also different in the american system right like there the student debt is just ridiculous yeah. I mean, how much does it cost to go to university here right like Not, it's, yeah, it's no, peanuts no, no. Yeah. so i think it's very different in the u.s and i can't speak to the u.s that intelligently here i still think there's a lot of good reason uh to, to go to university i just think you can't neglect the hands-on practical experience Right. Like we kind of did it, but we we're working yeah. at, a, you know, a cost in our job. But I think now if you identify what you want to get get into sooner, then do that. You know, like I think you could, you could still benefit from a degree, especially the networks and contacts you'll you'll get from it and some of the theory and, and, and some of the backing. But I think you have to definitely focus as the first thing is, OK, how do I actually work in this yeah. to, to get practical experience? How much impact do you think that's going to have on a work ethic? Right. I mean, 
you know, kids that grow up with all these tools and like you were mentioning, okay, create your own YouTube channel and uh, maybe they'll succeed at it, maybe not, I don't know. But see, we grew up in an era where, like you said, it was manual labor. I worked as a waiter, I worked as a busboy. I, you know, I did so many different jobs and obviously from each job, there's something that you take away from it, right? Whether it's positive or negative, um, uh, you develop uh, human relations, uh, social skills, is there a danger right now or is there a, is there a, you know, is there a, um, a place where kids won't go through that stage? And yeah, I don't see it. I don't see a danger in work ethic. I haven't personally, I've seen too many, like I've worked with too many, let's say younger millennials, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that just have a ridiculous work ethic. Yeah. So like, I think they, they get slammed for that, but I haven't seen it personally. I know there's probably two sides of that. Uh, where I see a bigger danger is in, in interpersonal skills and communications. Because yeah. I see that at high school, where it's like the kids are all looking at their phones and it's a danger I actually raise. And you, I usually get a few points here. It's like, what's going to count more in terms of skill set moving forward, right? So if you have a very jo- a job that could be automated, it will be, right? So if you're a truck driver, if you're a paralegal, if you're a radiologist, all these things are going away as disciplines, right? Because uh, a software will be do it better than a human. Yeah. It's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So this core skill set, that will not get automated away is going to be things like creativity, things like focus, things like communication, right? So those things continue and will gain more in importance over time. And that's where I see the impact of like things like cell phones and how we're addicted to them mm-hmm. having a potential negative impact. Because instead of like, you know, in high school, having a conversation with someone and, and speaking, like we we had no other means of, except of, you know, yelling and screaming For at sure. each other. Yeah. Now you can just text all day long, right? Why pick up the phone and call someone? Yeah. And I see that if that's not properly identified and rectified, I think Soon enough, that could be a huge issue where kids don't have the influence skills that you need to, like, to work in a real-world environment, right? Because the real world, you need to like basically convince people sure. <laughs> of your ideas and what you're trying to do. So you think that's going to have an impact in the marketplace or? A, a negative one, yeah. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Um, I, I can't quantify it. I haven't you know, researched it, but yeah. I see it as a pot- potential negative impact, yeah. Um, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I know you're very busy. Tell me a little bit from the experiences that you have from the, you know, the, the, the industries that you've worked in, what's coming up next? Um, what industries, for example, are in danger if they don't adapt? Um, you know, what industries will boom, uh, with these new changes? What, what are we to expect, you know, in the next, let's say five to 10 years? Yeah, if, if I was able to like properly uh, answer this like uh, accurately, I, I, you know, I'd be a billionaire with a six pack, right? Um, so I, I just no, but at, I mean, you understand trends and and yeah. you see things that personally I can't, you know. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we're saying. There isn't one particular industry that's not impacted or, or that's not uh, that's not seeing potential headwinds. I think what we're going to see in terms of an we're going to see an acceleration of these things, right? So people are have very high expectations. So for me, it all centers on the customer, right? So instead of saying, "Oh, this industry or that industry," I think you need to look at it at the lens of like, what what are people's expectations, right? Uh, and uh, there is this fabulous quote in the last uh, you know Amazon letter to its shareholders that said, "Consumers are divinely discontent." that their expectations are always going up. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see this, right? It's like, you know, if you've taken a flight recently and there's no Wi-Fi, you're kind of pissed, right? You're like, <laughs> why can't I connect online? And like the first time you took a plane with Wi-Fi, you're like, oh my God, like I can actually go yeah. online. It's like this transformative moment. And now a few years later, you're like, just like, it's why can't I get this right mm-hmm. now? Uh, same thing with like, uh, if you order Uber regularly, it's like, it's just normal that the thing just shows up at your, at your door, right? Yeah. And you're like, you walk out without having to like fumble a credit card. So 
the overall consumer experience is improving uh, because of these technologies. So companies that don't have that as a core priority are really, really in danger. And where I see a lot of disconnect is going to happen is going to be, unfortunately, in the public sector where the government government hasn't adapted mm -hmm. as much, right? So if you, it gets funny, I was at the hospital this morning with my parents just for like a simple checkup, and it's like, the the process and like the technologies that they use it's like oh my god like they, like they're still stuck in like the 90s yeah. right uh so and I, I don't see them at risk but i see a huge dissonance in terms of what's possible today and why they haven't adapted so and i see that happening a lot in the public sector so things like education we mentioned is one i'm particularly worried about because that's the next generation mm -hmm. uh healthcare i think the technologies will be there to help, will, will the government adapt quickly enough? So that's where I see probably the issue, the most friction occurring mm -hmm. uh, personally. I think from the public, private side, it'll be, you know, the Schumpeter's theory, adapt or die, basically, right? Yeah. So creative, the creative destruction will continue. So companies that'll be able to adjust, like uh, let's say Walmart has the resources, they adapt really well to e-commerce, they, they kind of probably survive that shift. But other companies like we saw, like even with quite a few famous Montreal retailers, uh, not so much, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I want to thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I'm going to let you get back to work. Um, and we should do coffee soon, man, or dinner. Absolutely. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen your wife in yeah. forever, man. Thanks a lot, Nectar.